to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. We are going through the book of Acts. Um, it's going to be a, uh, an eight-week series. Uh, this is our second week in Acts. So, um, so know that uh, we're not going through the whole book of Acts, but I'm just going to take sections that I believe that are pertinent for, for right now um, uh, to live out in our, in our Christian faith. So um, encourage you to um, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into uh, come together as your, your body tonight, we do look to your word because it is uh, life to us. It gives us uh, nourishment. It gives us wisdom and direction and peace and comfort, Lord. And, and Lord, I just want to lift up those that are uh, maybe worried about... Uh, their job situation, and they don't know uh, what uh, what's to come. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you would uh, meet them right in the midst of their situation, that you would provide, that you would be Jehovah Jireh, our provider, that you are faithful, a faithful God that provides for us. And so, Lord, um, uh, Lord, we know that your word tells us that you take care of the birds of the air. And how much more would you take care of your children? And so tonight I pray that you would fill, uh, fill them with your spirit, Lord, and, and let them know that you are with them, Lord, and that you got them. Uh, and so pray that you would just bring comfort and peace right now over them if they, if they are distressed about that. And uh, we lift up uh, this time in your word and we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I've entitled this, uh, this message, Living Out uh, a Life in the Spirit. Living Out a Life in the Spirit. Um, as we looked at this section of Scripture uh, this evening, we need to remember uh, where we were at last week and kind of look back to what happened in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 to give you a little bit of background uh, of of where we're going today, because I believe it's pertinent to uh, tonight's teaching. Uh, at this point, Jesus has ascended to the Father. Uh, Jesus had also instructed his disciples to wait, remember, um, though very hard to do up in the upper room, waiting and praying. Uh, they were waiting in Jerusalem until, uh, and they, he said, wait there until you receive the promise of the Father. Now, what was the promise of the Father? The, the promise of the Father was the, the Holy Spirit. This, he, he would send the Holy Spirit to, to uh, the disciples. Uh, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would then empower them uh, to go out and to, to be witnesses. In Acts chapter 2, God pours out His Spirit upon His disciples there in the upper room. Remember, we had tongues of fire and that mighty wind came in and, and was a rushing mighty wind. And, and that was God's presence uh, uh, resting upon each individual in, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter, being led by the Spirit, uh, preaches the gospel to a crowd of, of bystanders, and uh, 3,000 people get saved, right? This is the beginning of the early church. God starts uh, moving powerfully through His disciples. And at the end of chapter 2, 
We see this simplicity of the early church as they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to the breaking of bread and to fellowship and to prayer. Pastor Eric uh, just uh, shared uh, on this a few weeks ago as we were walking through the vision of the church of, uh, uh, of what we are as a body. We, we are and we're, things that we're committed to. And he was teaching on Acts 2.42 and how, how as a church we're, we're committed to God's word. We're committed to um, the breaking of bread into fellowship, community. Man, Community is so important right now, isn't it? Remembering what Christ has done for us in the breaking of bread is so important. And then as we as a pastoral staff have been talking about how important prayer is in our life right now, we are, we're committed to prayer so, for such a time as right now in what's going on, God has, God has stirred our hearts to pray to invest in the body in prayer. So that gives us a picture of kind of what's going on in, in, the, in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Um, but before we jump into tonight's text in Acts chapter 3, I want, I want you to understand something very profound starting in Acts chapter 3. And going all the way to Acts chapter 8, um, there's, there's an assumption that we must grasp as the body of Christ. And that assumption is this. The purpose of of your life as a Christian is to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let me say that again. The purpose of your life as a Christian, is to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's our purpose. That's what it's saying in in Acts chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, that your purpose on earth is to advance the kingdom, uh, advance the, the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. The purpose of your life is not to come to church. Your per- the purpose of your life is not to worship God and, and give Him glory, though that's important. It's not to have a good marriage. It's, it's not to have a great family. It's not to have a healthy spiritual well-being. Though all those things are really good. They're really good and they're needed. We should want those things. So that, so that we may advance the gospel to the ends of the world, the ends of the earth. So why do we have a good marriage? Why do we, uh, why do we try to have a whole, live a holy life so that we may advance the gospel to the ends of the earth? So with that in mind, I, I want... I want to set that as a precedence as we go into the weeks ahead because as we live this Christian life and as we live the Spirit-filled life, we need to remember why we're doing it. To advance the gospel to the end of the earth. 
So with that, let's look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the, the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple. Peter and John are headed to the temple to pray. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, so to, and, and it's a busy time in the temple, and they, they encounter this lame man. Now, this lame man was born lame. He's been lame from birth, never walked, never played basketball, never kicked a soccer ball around, never felt the, the sand uh, uh, in his toes, never, never was able to get up from his chair at home to go to the refrigerator when he was hungry or he's thirsty. He always had to re, uh, rely on his family, his friends, to, to help him to, to get the things that he needed. And his family would, would take him to the front of the, the gate, beautiful, and they, he would, they would lay them, he would set, they would set him there in order to uh, beg for his livelihood. It's the only thing he could do is beg. Josephus, a, a Jewish historian, writes of how big and how beautiful this gate was. It was inlaid with, with copper. This gate would have been a sight to see. People would come just to see the gate and the entrance to the temple area. You almost have a juxtaposition here of this beautiful gate with, with this great grandeur. People walking in and out of this beautiful entrance. And at the same time, you have this lame man going nowhere, sitting in his poverty. Little does he know that his life is going to change this day. Look at verse 3. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked him, asked for alms. This lame man sees Peter and John, and he takes the opportunity to, to, to ask for for something in return. Help help me. Ask, asking for alms. He probably had his normal thing that he would say, right? I mean, he goes out there every day and he's, he's very tired of, of having to beg, but that was what he had to do. And so he probably said something, would, would you spare some change for the poor? Can you help me? Anything would help. And he would share his normal thing. Now remember, he, he's been lame from birth. He probably had uh, said this phrase thousands of times. Hey, will you help me? Uh, something for the poor. This reminds me of the Tatamata Indians in Chihuahua, Mexico. Oftentimes when I would walk through the city of Chihuahua, the native Indians would beg, and they would be there on, on the street corner or, or under uh, an overpass, and they would come out, and they would, they would beg, and they would use an, a word, uh, and they would say, Kodima. In Kodima, the, the meaning of that word 
means you have more than me, so you need to give me something. It was sort of like that. This man says, man, you have a lot more than me. Please give me something. Notice what Peter and John do in verse 4. And fixing his eyes on them with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So Peter and John were, were going about their normal day. Kind of life as usual, right? And, and they're heading into the temple to pray. Now remember, Pentecost had just happened days before this. Peter's been filled with, they've all been filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there, there's, there's been... 3,000 people that were added to, to the, the early church, and now it's a usual day. They're on their way to, to the temple to go and pray. They were probably going to meet up with some of the disciples to, to, to pray with them and then maybe hang out afterwards. And, and, and yet, they encounter this lame man sitting out front. Now, they're probably seen this guy a number of times before. He's been sitting there every day in front of the temple, in front of the, the gate called Beautiful. In fact, Jesus probably walked by this man as he entered the temple, yet Jesus never healed this man. And they probably had their usual response to the people, this man that was sitting out front, uh, n- not today, or, or maybe next time, or here's, here's a little something for you to help you. Yet today, this day, something was different. You see, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, just days before this, senses that God wants to do something. God wants to minister to, to this man. God wants to... to to move in his, his life. I would call this a, a divine appointment for this man, for this moment, for this day. You see, living out a life in the Spirit, we need to anticipate God's divine appointments. We need to anticipate God's divine appointments. Church, oftentimes God wants to move through us by moving, by the moving of the Holy Spirit, to use us to minister to a neighbor, to, uh, to a friend, to a, to a co-worker, especially right now. Maybe God wants to use your life to call, uh, call up a co-worker and see how they're doing. Maybe God wants to... to Use you in the grocery store. I was just there the other day and I, I was looking around uh, and, and people want to talk. They, they, they want to have conversation. There's people in different places in our lives all around us right now that are un, unusual circumstances. Meaning, we in our usual go about our days... We would not talk to people, but because of this circumstance that we're walking through, there's people in our neighborhood. They're walking out in front of our house. They're, they're, they're in different places, and we're in different places, and now we're engaging people in conversation. 
maybe, just maybe, God would want to use your life to do an incredible thing by allowing the Holy Spirit to use you to, to point them to Jesus. You know the moment when your heart starts to pound and, and you know that God's starting to stir you to do something. He wants you to speak to this, some, this person about the Lord. He wants you to, to step out in faith in something and your heart starts to pound. That's a good sign, church. You see, this is the key to the church becoming alive and fulfilling God's mission to make disciples. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us to those around us, especially right now. The question is, are, are we ready? Are we ready? Are we listening to His voice? Are we listening to what God wants to do in light of what's happening in, in our city, in our nation? Are we listening to what the Spirit wants us to be a part of? What's his plan for you today to encounter those around you? I think the deeper question we need to ask ourselves is, does God have permission to lead us? Does God have permission to lead us into those circumstances, those situations, so that we, we can be used? Living out a life in the Spirit means giving God permission to lead us. Giving God permission to lead us, even if it doesn't make sense to trust Him. I remember uh, this, this man that would come into the church in Chihuahua uh, when I was pastoring down in Chihuahua. And he would come in, and he was a poor, poor man. He was just trying to, to make some money and and so he would come into the church and ask if he could, he, he could wash our car. And um, in, in the beginning, we would be like, no, no, not today. We don't, I, I, we don't need our car washed and all of that. And, and, um, and so he would leave, and then he would come back another day. And, and God kind of stopped us as a staff and, and said, you know, next time he comes, you know, maybe, maybe we should encounter him bring him in and, and talk to him. Have him wash the cars. And afterwards, buy him lunch. And so when Delfino came in, he, he, he came in and said, hey, you know, I, I want to wash your car. And does anybody need their car washed? And, and, and we all said, yeah, we'll have our car washed. And, and because of that, we, uh, we, we, we paid him, and, and then he, we said, hey, come on inside and, and, and sit down, and, and we began to share the gospel with him, and we, and we fed him lunch, and we started to love on him. We started to be a friend to Delfino, a friend that we weren't being before because we didn't see the opportunity, see the, the moment that God would want us to, to, be, to, to, to speak the, the truth and love to, to Delfino. So Peter says to, to this man, look at us. Now this lame man probably saw dollar signs uh, in 
when, when Peter said, hey, hey, look at me. And Peter looks at him in the eyes. Look at verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now I can imagine this lame man's thought when he first heard silver and gold I do not have. His countenance probably changed. He probably got bummed out and started to go, oh man. Because why else are you out there? Why else are you in front of the gates? The only reason why you would do that is to gain some sort of financial reward from being there. Sometimes we can walk through this life thinking, God, I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't have anything to give in this situation. But God's work is not limited to our resources. I want you to hear that. God's work is not limited to our resources. God is not limited to the things that, that we have. In fact, Peter says, I've got something else for you. Peter says, but what I do have, I give to you. This, there's a spiritual truth here that we, we, need to, we, we don't want to miss. And that is, we can't give away something that we don't possess. We can't give away something that we do not possess. Peter, through the power of the Spirit, realized that he had something far greater than money to give this man. Amen? Far greater than things to give this man. It was Jesus. Living out a life in the Spirit means we need to give them Jesus. As you walk, as you, as you do your day during this pandemic, as you encounter people that aren't normally in your life, I would encourage you to stop and encounter them and, and, and love them, but don't just love them. Give them Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Do you know what's sad about the church oftentimes is that we do have silver and gold to give, but we don't have Jesus. We don't have Jesus to give. But in this moment, he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Look at verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. You see, the problem with this lame man with that this lame man had, he had, he, he had uh, problems with the back of his ankle in his feet, and, and that was what was causing him not to be able to walk. Yet this moment, Peter, in this moment, Peter grabs him by the hand, right? And, and he pulls him up, and in that moment, he's healed. Look at verse 8. And so, so he leaped up, stood, and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Can you imagine what this man was thinking and feeling? He begins to walk. He's never walked before. 
No physical therapy needed. Completely healed, right? Incredible moment where God is moving in his life. He begins to leap and praise God. And he starts, Jesus. It's God who has done this. Instant healing. And he, he begins to make his way into the temple. Now, this lame man was never allowed to go into the temple before this. And now for the very first time, he's able to walk through the gate, through the entrance into, into the temple. Able to see and explore what everyone else has been able to see for years. And he begins to proclaim God's goodness. Hallelujah! God has healed me! He begins to, to proclaim it to everyone around him. And he knows this. He knows this was Jesus who healed him. Not Peter. Not John. But Jesus. Look at verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the, the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is no ordinary day in the temple, right? Everyone is now aware of what God has done to this lame man. You see, the purpose of God moving in our lives is not to make us feel good. It's not to make you more happy. It's to bring wonder and amazement to, to the world about God. It's for us to stand in awe of God's power and His majesty, for the world to see His greatness and turn to Him in repentance and say, I, need, I love you, Lord. I need you, Lord. And to advance the gospel to the world. Look at verse 11. Now as the lame man who, had, who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in, in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. This man was clinging to Peter and John. Now this word, holding on to Peter, this word means to be, be chained to something. This man was holding on to Peter with his life. The crowd of people began to gather around them. This moment uh, of great danger for, for Peter and John's ministry. Why? Because Peter and John could have easily robbed God of his glory in this moment, couldn't they have? They could have started believing it, it was, had to do with them. They, they could have believed that it was something that they did. And they started to feel like, oh, you know, this is something we've done. You see, it's easy to begin to focus on servants, the servant of Jesus, rather than Jesus himself. Let me, let me speak into this for just a second. 
as we come to church, we can, we can be blessed by pa- a pastor, Pastor Eric, great teacher. I'm blessed by him every week. But if I start to lift up Pastor Eric in some way to say, oh, Pastor Eric is so good, and take the glory away from Jesus, then we've done God a disservice. Church, we can do this very often. In fact, um, we can elevate a person, can't we? We can start to talk about this uh, a person. In fact, we see this in the word of uh, in the word in 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 the epistles where where I'm of I'm of Cephas and I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos, but that's not what God would want. We need to be of Jesus. It's sad sometimes when I come into the church and it might be a weekend where Eric's on vacation and, and some of the church will come into the church and they'll, they'll see that Pastor Eric's not here and then they'll, they'll, they'll want, is Pastor Eric teaching today? Uh, no, he's not. And, and then, and then I'll, I'll, see, I'll see people just walk right out the door. That's not right, church. It's not about a man. God uses Pastor Eric, and he, he's, he's incredibly gifted as a teacher, but, but man, we, it's Jesus we need to be lifting up, not a man. You see, we can, we can worship the creation rather than the creator. And God would say, be very careful that you don't steal my glory. So what does Peter and John do in this moment? Look at verse 12. When Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? They gave the glory to God. Living out a life in the Spirit, be careful that you don't steal God's glory. You don't steal God's glory. When, we, when He moves through our life, when He uses you to touch someone else, when He uses your life to speak into someone else, be very careful when they say, oh, thank you, you're so gifted. Be careful that you don't steal God's glory. Give the glory to God. Look at verse 13. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Wow. Peter is confronting this crowd, isn't he? That's gathered in the temple. I commend Peter for his boldness, because he's just, he just tells it like it is. We need to remember that it was just a few, a few uh, months back that, that Christ was crucified by these same people that are in the temple. And now Peter is confronting them with the reality of their choice to, com- to crucify Jesus. 
He's sharing the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. He's like, it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Yet, filled with the Spirit, Peter begins to preach the good news of the gospel to them. He's not afraid. Instead, he's filled with with boldness to speak forth the the truth in, in the gospel. Why? Because Because Christ has captured his heart. Because Christ has forgiven him in in John chapter 21 where God restored Peter. Remember that moment? Because Christ had called him into ministry. Why? To advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let's move on. Look at verse 16. In his name through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Him has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter says, it's the name of Jesus. It's faith in the name of Jesus that made this man whole. It's, his, it's faith in Jesus that's given him This healing. Church, do you believe that in Jesus' name, God wants to heal your family? In Jesus' name, God wants to get you through this circumstances right now? In Jesus' name, that God wants to use your life to shine into the darkness during this time right now? He wants to use you? He wants to use your life? to transform others, to make a difference, to impact this world. In Jesus' name, God wants to use you. Living out a a life in the Spirit, we need to remember that there's power in His name. And that if we just speak His name, God will do great things. It's faith in Jesus' name that brings power to His church. Amen? Verse 17. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all all of His prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he He has thus fulfilled. Ultimately, it was the crucifixion of Christ that was the fulfillment of prophecy. This was the fulfillment of God's plan. He's saying it was God's plan for Christ to go to the cross. Peter's saying Jesus needed to go to the cross, but he is alive today. He's risen and he's alive today and he wants to know you and he wants to to save you. Look at verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Give your life over to Him that your sin may be blotted out so that, the, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Peter here is calling the crowd of people to repentance. The word repent literally means to, to do a U-turn. 
to do a 180. You're going one direction, you, you turn around to go the other direction. You're going one way, you go to the opposite. To know God, to be a disciple of Jesus, a believer must first turn from their sin and repent and turn to God. Matthew 4.17 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1.15 says, Repent and believe the gospel. If you're listening online right now, And you've never repented of your sin. And the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he's, his, his Spirit is convicting you. But you've got you to turn from your sin. You've got to walk away from sin. You've got to turn from it. You've got to say, God, I need you and I want you. And guess what God will do? He says He will blot out your sin. He will erase it. You see, forgiveness comes through repentance. That's what Peter's offering. That's what Peter is offering this crowd. He's saying, forgiveness comes through repentance. The same offer is yours tonight. Forgiveness comes through repentance. You have to turn from your sin. You have to Put it away. You have to give it away and, and, and give it over to the Lord and turn to the Lord. Jesus is saying to us tonight, repent from your sin. Let the conviction of the Holy Spirit convict your hearts and then respond to His invitation of forgiveness. He says He will blot out your sin. All those wrong things that you've done in this life, all those mistakes, God says, I'm going to wipe those things away, but you've got to come. You've got to come empty-handed. You've got to come in surrender. You've got to come and you've got to lay down your life. You've got to make Him, make Him Lord of your life. Look at verse 19 again. It says, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that what we need in our lives? I know that, that our sin has, to know that your sin has been blotted out and erased and that times of refreshing may come. When, when, when repentance comes, refreshing comes. Times of refreshing will come. How many, how many of you out there right now need times of refreshing? In the chat right now, go ahead and, 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 and send out uh, some messages right now in the chat. And, say, and, and just comment on how you need a, a times of refreshing right now. The key to times of refreshing is repentance. I remember the day that I gave my life to Christ. The weight of sin was lifted and the refreshment that came as I came to the Lord. 
as I've walked this Christian life, as I, as I walk with Jesus, there's times where I've had to repent and say, God, I'm so sorry. And they're more often than, than I'd like it to be. And I say, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And I repent for my sin. And guess what? Times of refreshing come. Times of those, the, that peace of God, the comfort of God, that refreshment of God comes in my life. Why is it so hard to come into the house of God with a heart of repentance? Why? Because it takes humility. That's why. Do you ever wonder why you don't ever have victory in a certain area of sin in your life? Could it be that you're not broken over that sin? Could it be that, that there's no humility, no brokenness over, over those things? Instead of pride, we would have humility and, and a heart of repentance toward it? Come and repent, and the Lord, the Lord says, and I will be faithful to forgive you. Even if it's the hundredth time that you've come, come. Come and He will forgive you. God says, come and I, I, I forgive you. And enjoy the time of refreshment in my presence. As we conclude tonight, we're not going to go any farther in, in Acts, but I want to conclude the rest of this chapter in, in going into chapter 4. And if you, you have some time, go ahead and read ahead because it's very interesting what happens with Peter and John. I want you to catch the scene here in, in, in Acts chapter 4. Or as in Acts chapter 3 and 4. See, God heals this lame man, right? He, he heals this man. He begins to tell everyone in the temple about God. The crowd forms around Peter and John, right? Peter preaches the gospel to all, the, all that are surrounding him. And then in chapter 4, the priest and the captain of the temple and, and the Sadducees come and lay, hands, lay their hands on Peter and John. And they throw them into jail. That's what happens. For standing up for Jesus and speaking the things of Jesus, they get put in jail. This is the beginning of persecution toward the early church. Yet, yet you know what the result was? Of Peter's obedience to preaching the gospel? 5,000 people come to know Christ. 5,000 people are added now to the early church and now the church is growing massively. The Spirit of a God begins to move powerfully through the disciples. Church, the point of all of this isn't for us to sit back and go, wow, that's cool. No. It's for us to believe that God can do the same things through a Spirit-filled life like ours. That God can use you and me the exact same way that He used the early church, His disciples, to advance.
the gospel to the ends of the earth. So as we close, let me remind you, be looking for divine appointments right now. Be looking for those opportunities to be used by the Lord. Give God the permission to lead you. Start your day. Lord, Lord, lead me today. Direct me. Direct my steps, Lord. Direct me to who you want me to encounter, to speak to, to, to talk to. Lord, lead me. You have permission to lead. And second, when you do encounter them, give them Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Share Jesus with them. And be careful not to steal his glory as you do it. But to point people to to the one that saved us, that saved me. And as we walk a spirit-filled life out, make repentance a normal practice in your life. Allow repentance to be the motivation of of God using us. God, I'm so sorry. I repent for my sin, Lord. And God, use me today. And I guarantee you, in that humility, God will use you. God will use you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for each individual listening right now. Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. That you would begin to show them your purpose for their life. To advance advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. Lord, would you use that beginning right here in Colorado Springs? Would you use us, Lord, in our homes, as we love our children, as we love our spouse? Lord, would you begin right here as we as we go out and we begin to smile at someone in the store and we begin a conversation, Lord? Lord, would you begin to do a begin a movement, Lord, through us as a body? to accomplish greater things for your name. That your name would be lifted up here and beyond to the world. Because your heart, Lord, is that your gospel, that your name would be known throughout the world. And then the end would come. And so Jesus... Empower us with your spirit. Give us strength to live for you. Keep us humble, Lord. Help us to walk with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.